Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. My name is Joseph Velarde, and I will serve as your host. In 2004, I moved from the Atlanta area to what's called the Lehigh Valley, which consists of Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton. And I like to say that I was born and raised in Atlanta, but that the Lehigh Valley made me into the man that I am. And it's such a special, special place, the Lehigh Valley is. And it's my hope throughout our time together as we journey with others from all kinds of walks of life that we'll come to discover what I've learned over the years, just how special the Lehigh Valley is and that we together will have a vision for the valley. This vision actually was what led me to start a church called Riverbend Community Church in 2009 with a group of friends. And I so believe in the potential of the Lehigh Valley. It's my hope that we can draw awareness and attention to all that's here, all the incredible things that are happening here and all the ways that different people are doing different things to make it the best place it can be. And so in this podcast, you're going to hear from all kinds of people as I interview them and you hear their own experience and them sharing their stories. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping for each and every one of us, we'll see that we have a place in this story that will lead us to have a vision for the valley. We're so excited today on the Vision for the Valley podcast to have my good friend, Mike DeSelm, who I've known since 2009, and he moved up from the Virginia Beach area. He's going to tell a little bit more about his story in a couple minutes here, uh, but through starting a church, as we started a church around the same time, we formed a friendship, and it's been an incredible journey to watch all the ways in which God's used his life and his uh, ministry as well to others who are hurting and who are searching and who are desiring to experience true, true love. And he's done such an awesome job at helping others to be brought into the story that God wants to write for all of us, each and every one of us. And so it's been such a joy to watch him uh, just flourish here and to flourish and thrive as a leader. He recently just got his MBA. It's official, right? Graduation on Saturday. And uh, we're so excited for him. We're working really hard on that. Uh, but as I think about Mike, uh, beyond the things that he, he does to invite others in, he's also just an incredible leader and really uh, is about developing others and helping people be the best version of themselves. And He's not afraid to really go out of his way to be intentional with others and to walk alongside them. And uh, not only that, he's also become part of our family here at Riverbend, but even the Velarde Party family. Uh, A funny story about Mike is when my twin brother, I have an identical twin brother. Some of you don't know that. Uh, He's a really good looking guy. Uh, It's our standard joke. Uh, he, He was at the Starbucks on Tillman Street where Mike was working at the time. And uh, my, my brother was on the phone, and Mike came up behind him and gave him a big bear hug and said, Hey, man, I miss you. It's so good to see you. And then my brother uh, took the phone away from his face and whispered, It's not Joe, it's John. <laughs> and so those are some funny moments that we've had together and, and also with, with my family as well. So, again, it's great to have Mike on. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, it's funny. I actually, I have a bad habit of mistaken identity. (laughs) 
uh, one of my best friends whom I met uh, at the very first church that I attended on a regular basis in Virginia Beach. Uh, same thing happened. I came up behind him. I gave him a huge accosting bear hug uh, while he was in the middle of talking with a bunch of students, only to have him turn around and have a huge big Lebowski smile on his face. And I melted in terror as I realized I had a case of mistaken identity. So uh, to all of you who may be listening to this podcast that I may have inappropriately given a hug and mistaken you for somebody else. I please sincerely apologize. Uh, please that's forgive awesome. me. That's awesome. So now, Joe, thanks so much for having me on uh, Vision for the Valley. Stoked that I get to be here, um, and humbled that uh, I get to be your guinea pig, your mm, your test that's subject. Right, that's right. On First whether, one. Whether or not this thing is going to roll. So mm-hmm. if it sucks, if this whole thing goes downhill, it's because you had a bad first ho- guest. <laughs> the host is good. The bad first uh, guest <laughs> kicked in. So yeah, hey. Um, so born and raised in San Diego. Uh, in and joined the Navy at 17. I needed to figure out something to do with my life other than sit on the beach and be a bum, hmm. uh, which really still sounds like a great life calling, but I realized that that's probably not what God <laughs> has in plan for me. Um, so joined the Navy in uh, 2000. Uh, whoa, scratch that. Joined the Navy in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> um, joined the Navy to see the world took orders right back in San Diego, because uh, why would you want to leave San Diego? It's quite possibly one of the most beautiful places in, mm. in the States of America. Um, and, you know, through a you know, couple different duty stations, ended up in Virginia Beach in 2002, um, found myself having a lot of questions about who God was and who Jesus was and uh, needing some guidance and direction in my life mm. that obviously I wasn't providing for myself. Stepped into a high school auditorium on a Sunday morning looking to figure out if this church thing was a real deal. Mm. Uh, found a lot of people in uh, pajamas. It was a really, really strange experience. Uh, you know, I've got jeans. Uh, I, I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. Uh, I've got slacks on. My wife has got like slacks and a, or uh, and a button up on, and we're like way overdressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized that you know this this wasn't a cult. There was like no Kool Aid served after mm-hmm. service or anything like that. But uh, just genuine people who wanted to do genuine things. And so sometimes on Saturday mornings, I don't know about you, but for me, USA Network had like the Cartoon Express yeah. from like six in the morning until noon. And then all the good Kung Fu movies came on. <laughs> and so like I would sit in my jammies with a bowl of cereal and just shovel a box of cereal in and watch cartoons. And so that's what they were doing that Sunday morning. Mm. Um, so long story short, uh, felt that. Somewhere along that story, I watched God restore marriage, or saw God uh, give purpose to a career, and call me out of the military and to in, into into ministry. Uh, not sure what that was going to look like. Um, and one of my dearest friends, a mentor of mine, was uh, having hopes and aspirations of planting a church in his hometown, and uh, inquired to my wife and I if we would be interested in tagging along. And I was pretty vehemently a no. At the outset, I was like, I don't want to go to Pennsylvania. I'm from San Diego. Hmm. I need to find a beach. I need to stay someplace where there's good Mexican food, you know, things that I love. Uh, I wanted to stay in Virginia Beach. Um, and, you know, if, if you're a person of faith and you're listening to this podcast, you know that we make plans and God laughs. Hmm. And, you know, God, through his divine providence, you know, communicated with me through a lot of different people and through some just quiet time in the woods mm-hmm. that Allentown was where I was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we moved up in 2009 to plant a church. Uh, in fact, I met you on Valentine's Day weekend as you were moving my friend Richie into mm-hmm. his very first house. 
Um, and you had a, a posse of like 20 people and it was crazy. I was like, wait, <laughs> another church plant at the same time is going to help another church planter move in. Mm. That's whack, you know? Um, and it was really, really neat. It was beautiful to see God do what God does, bringing people together, uh, and be the big C church to work together, to do his will and his purpose. So, you know, we moved up here in April of 2009, uh, planted a church, I think a, a the same weekend or maybe a week before or after, right? September, yeah, September right. of 09. And uh, I was the worship and arts guy. My wife was our children's director and a role that she's filling admirably for you, for Riverbend now that yeah, she I was gets gonna, to serve yeah, in. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, as I introduced you, Nicole is on part of our staff team here. and She's doing an incredible job. Yeah. Shout out to Nicole DeSilm. That's right. I get to be the first <laughs> male staff wife. <laughs> So if Riverbend team, if the Riverbend leadership team ever goes like on a, a family retreat, right? I get to be the guy that escorts all the wives, and you guys have some very beautiful wives. It'll be my honor to chaperone and protect them while you guys go discuss vision casting well, I, things. I will say, you know, having a Navy man protect our wives, it's not a bad, bad uh, protection. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel very confident that you would be able to, to keep them safe. I, I would be, it would be my honor. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, so we moved up. We planted a church. It was really good. Um, and, uh, through a series of unfortunate events and just God's timing, God's yeah. providence, whatever his will was, uh, I, I, I cling really strongly to this promise in Romans, uh, chapter eight, Paul writes to his friends in Rome, uh, in, in, in eight verse, uh, chapter eight, verse 28, he says, uh, God will use all things, hmm. uh, according to his will for his purpose, for those who are hmm. called, hmm. Um, and that's Mike's interpretation version. It's not published yet, but uh, <laughs> it's it's coming. It's coming. Um, and so it, it was really, really strange. Um, Richie and I had run a Tough mutter, a 13-mile adventure race out in the woods. He kind of had this nagging cough. And I was busting his chops. Richie was 15 years older than me. And so I always, like, called him dad because he could have been my dad. It, it, yeah, the math works. It that's does. Right, that's right. Uh, he got married the year I was born. Uh, or got maybe graduated high school. I don't know. The math <laughs> works. That's all I remember. Um, but Richie was diagnosed with end-stage lung cancer at 52, after three years after planting a church. He had three tumors in his brain and a, a tumor in the center of his chest right next to his heart. And it was devastating. Uh, I worked in medicine in the Navy. Um, I, my first actual My actual first job assignment was working on a cancer ward. And so... Uh, I didn't understand that at the time in 1995, but sitting in a hospital uh, off Highway 78 here in, in, in the Lehigh Valley, uh, looking at the, the scans going, oh, now, now I get it. I got, I got the privilege to walk with this man and his family, this man who I, I could consider a, a father figure, an older brother, a deep, deep mentor, dear friend. Um, I got to walk with him and his family through a dark season of their story and be translator because of the, the privilege that God had given me to work in medicine and to work on a cancer floor. I could break down some of those crazy, scary doctor words yeah. and the, the big white lab coats and stuff like that and say, this is what's going on in, 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 in human speak. Um, you know, Richie went home on uh, December 2nd. 2013 it was it was a uh difficult day it was a very difficult day um and i didn't understand it at the time and as i walked out of the the hospital room with uh richie's sons and 
uh, our church intern at Legacy and you know, Richie's wife, Karen. Uh, my stepfather called me, and uh, I thought it was odd. My stepdad almost never calls me. Um, and he called to let me know that my mom had just passed away. And I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like the worst Hollywood script ever. This is this is a joke, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's like you know, we're not even four weeks before Christmas. This is mm-hmm. this is not cool. <laughs> um, and uh, I just my heart sank, you know. And I remember I walked out to the seventh floor window, looking over Interstate seventy eight, and I remember looking at the cars driving by and all these people who may or may not be oblivious to things like this happening in their lives. And I thought to myself, all right, God, I. You have, you have allowed me to be stripped of what I think at the time is everything. Um, what more do you want? Um, and I preached the first two funerals of my life for the two most influential people in my story, yeah. my mother and my mentor, yeah. uh, in a week's time. And it was, it was painful. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a really, really rough season. Um, and it was rough for so many different, different reasons. But I got to see beautiful things come out of it. I got to see a church community pull together, uh, a church that eventually fell apart because, let's be honest, uh, any any organization doesn't survive the passing of the torch of its leader, especially when it's three years old and it's brand new. And I remember uh, that time of uh, Richie being in the hospital. I remember just the way, first of all, for those of you who don't know Richie, he was such an incredible <laughs> guy. And uh, really, I loved his heart uh, for people. Led love. He led with a bold, bold love and mm-hmm. uh, was grateful for the time I got with him and the way he would cheer me on. And I was attempting to cheer him on as mm-hmm. well. And I remember coming and visiting him in the hospital room and I just didn't realize how bad it was, you yeah. know, cause you hear cancer and there's all kinds of ways cancer can go, but this was really bad. And I remember um, hearing him pass away um, and going to the funeral and watching you uh, lead so beautifully through mm-hmm. a really painful situation, um, really having to um, sure up what was left behind him not being there any longer and helping to pick up the pieces. And then uh, Nicole telling me that your mom had passed away. And I was just, man, I was always reminded of that season when we talk, because you and I talk often about mm-hmm. Just life, but just how hard that season was, and how yeah. my how my heart not only went out for you, but even just feeling the weight of something like that—that uh, that there's a, a weightiness to uh, life. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're listening uh, today to this, and, and you're going through something like that, yeah, uh, one of the things I just I want to say is we're talking this through. Is it's so important that we find people to journey with and people to process the pain with. And you're going to hear Mike share a little bit more in his own words about that. But I always appreciated how you availed yourself to others through that. And are you perfect in it? No. no. Are any of us perfect (laughs) in it? No, that's not the point. You know, perfection is a never an attainable goal that we'll have, uh, but that we would continue to make progress. And I, I saw you continue to make progress throughout the journey. And even, um, even the hold on to Romans eight twenty eight. you know, where it says, all things work together for good. And, you know, Beth Ann is a good friend of ours, mm-hmm. Beth Ann Miller. She's uh, started Safe Place Ministries. And she yeah. says, you know, all things do work together for good, but not all things are good. Amen. 
And I think that that just gives context to even mm-hmm. what you were going through. Yeah. It wasn't good. It's it was terrible. It wasn't it was, good. It was heart wrenching. Yeah. And I was I was watching uh, from a distance, and you were in the the middle of literally walking through it. Um, but just to watch you uh, go through that and watch how you led the community through really a, a painful time. Uh, I mean, I, I think that. Um, yeah, I, I look at that. And I admired, mm-hmm. and I still do. I admire and I appreciate the way you let out you. of something that really no one signs up for when you start a church. No one signs up for, <clears throat> hey, in three years, I'm going to go from being the creative arts pastor <laughs> uh, to the lead pastor. And then my best friend mentor is going to pass away. And then my mom's going to pass away the same day. Right. No one signs up for that stuff. Um, and, th- and that was really uh, a lot that you were you were leading out of a lot of pain there. Mm. So I, don't, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but I was, I was just thinking that through a little bit with you, but yeah. continue on. It was, uh, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. Um, but you know, God, God was, God is, God will continue to be faithful. That's right. Um, even in the deepest, darkest moments of, of that season and the seasons mm. that followed, and you were a wonderful, safe place. I would mm-hmm. call you up and, uh, mm-hmm. and just like, Joe, I need, I need advice. I need someone to, who isn't directly impacted in, in my circles to mm-hmm. give me some perspective that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I will say this, and I don't want to dwell because I, there are, there are, God is good and there are great things happening, and I want to talk about those as well. Uh, but I will say this, that... Uh, it has been my experience uh, through ministry that the loneliest place in ministry is being in the position of lead. Hmm. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't weight in other roles of ministry. There absolutely is. But uh, the, the, when you are the, the, on, the lead entrepreneur, when you are the lead visionary, when you are the person setting the course, when you are communicating God's mission, vision, values, whether it's professionally, personally, in a ministry setting, uh, that is one of the loneliest places. And it's not because uh, you're too good or you're pedestaled or something like that. It's just there's so it's a smaller amount of people that can have the empathy. And it's hard to find those safe places. Where where is the safe place to go uh, to go rest? And I think that's why you see uh, pastors burn out so quickly. I think that's why you see chronic issues like addiction uh, and other you know put whatever action you want to add to it. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think you know that's you know ministry is a lonely can be a lonely place, and especially if you're the lead visionary. Yeah. Um, and so, again, if you're listening to this and you're the lead visionary and you feel alone, uh, I'm sure that they'll share my contact information afterwards. Lord knows, if nothing else, you can find me on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to walk with you through that season so you don't have to walk it alone because, you know, this is this is and everybody comes together. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, too, it's interesting because as I talk to point leaders, uh, whether it's in the church setting or other businesses or organizations uh, where we, we meet on Sundays and we have our offices here, there's several businesses around me, uh, around us. And one of the things that is common is the sheer weightiness mm-hmm. of leading. And mm-hmm. one leader said it really well from an employment agency called Express. They, they said, it's just feeling responsible not only for yourself but for the people uh, that you're leading, mm-hmm. and that weightiness um, 
can overcome you and overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. And to, to have people, to use your language, to walk with you, but to help carry that weight right, is really, really important. And whether you are a point leader or any other seat that you may have, I think we all go through seasons like that. And I mm-hmm. think it is really key yeah. uh, that we have people that we're able to share mm-hmm. our life and our journey with and what we're experiencing. Because one of the most dangerous places to be is to not only know what pain you have, but to not process the pain and just push right. it down or to numb it or to busy it out. Mm-hmm. And, and it just continues. It's just a toxic uh, part of what's going on within you. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Even if you suppress it for a season, it still comes out oh, yeah. again and again. And I know as we've talked about our own stories together, I think one of the beautiful gifts, though painful gifts, that has come out as these moments of deep, deep pain have revealed some things that need to be excavated within our own mm-hmm. souls and our own stories. Absolutely. And how um, in that uh, we're able to better understand who we are intended to be. And so we've had to go back to go forward. We don't want to stay in the past, right? but we've got to deal with the past to move forward and mm-hmm. to continue on uh, to, to journey towards yeah. really all that. God has created us for, mm-hmm. um, and to be the men that he wants us to be, uh, the husbands, the fathers, the leaders. Yeah. And, and I've watched that happen in my own life, but I've watched that happen in your life as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mike, it's, it's really cool to hear a little bit about your story. So you said that right around, let's see, what, 2013 is when yeah. Richie, Richie passed and then your mom passed and then you were leading legacy had to take a different seat yeah uh, and, and it continued it was out. it was so i i think i did what so many uh so many people do you put it in a box and you figure out how to deal with it later and you move on because um so i just uh i was also it was my last semester of uh of my undergraduate degree at liberty university i was still getting my my bachelor's in in religion and ministry uh, so I had all of that going on too, which was a, such a weird layer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I got a chance to, to keep leading mm. this vision that had called us up to Allentown, my wife and my three kids and I, mm. and, uh, it was, it was, it was a joyful, painful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize how much I had internalized and held down so many things so you know walked through some some transitions as a church um you know shifting from from meeting in a location to being a more of a portable setting uh shifting uh entire demographics going more towards the city of uh center city of allentown uh to uh from from where we were at out on the west side outskirts um but somewhere in the process of all that i uh I started immersing myself in different uh, community engagement strategies and opportunities. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to activate this congregation that had been entrusted to my care uh, to connect them with the community. I believed, and I still believe, that uh, the best thing that a, 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 a Christian or a follower of Christ can do is to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no deeper teaching in the Bible. There is no deeper wisdom. Uh, you know, love God, love people, go serve. Yeah. And that's, that's it. And so, uh, I was at, uh, the Eastern Christian convention held in Hershey, uh, in November every year. 
And uh, I popped out to go rub elbows with other church planters and churches and just see what what other opportunities might exist that I was missing. And I I saw this guy named Ron Clabundy talk about generosity feeds. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was speaking with one of the church planters in my, in my church network that I uh, had planted with. So the guy had instant credibility in my book because if my buddy Josh approves of him, then he's got to be okay. Yeah. Um, and Ron was casting this vision about mobilizing the church to engage in, in community, not just with each other, but to get outside of the walls of the church, you know, um, to, to go and, and just be and coexist with people and not around the umbrella of faith or not around the umbrella of, of other things, but the umbrella of generosity, regardless of what background you come from, regardless of what faith background, uh, socioeconomic background you come from, the, the, the gift of generosity is something I think we all can agree on and believe in and, and get behind. And the idea of generosity feeds, as Ron was talking about, it was to connect businesses and nonprofits and other organizations, community groups, all together under this idea of being generous to serve children who don't get enough to eat, children who didn't choose hunger, but hunger was chosen for them, Uh, children that are told time and again, hey, the best way to get ahead in life is through an education have you ever tried to take a test, Joe, on an empty stomach? Actually, I have. It hasn't. Got, it didn't go well. It's horrible. <laughs> right? That was my that was my uh, high school experience. Right, right. So it's it's, it's miserable. Yeah. You know, and I hear stories from from event hosts uh, all the time about, hey, you know, so and so child uh, failed this class during the school year so they could go to summer school, so they knew that they would get a meal. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you said that. I. We were reached out by the Bethlehem School District, a friend of ours who's a part of our church, said that, you know, the kids were so desperate that they told the guidance counselor that they want to go to summer school just so they could have meals. What kid wants to go to summer school? I mean, that it was so crazy. And we're doing this event. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, just a tangible reminder again of what Generosity Feeds does and what Generosity Feeds is about, you know. So I think... I think it's just right on, you know, you, yeah. you see it all around you, but continue on, man. Yeah. So I just, I, I, I was inspired and I remember, you know, when I get, I don't know about you, but when I get inspired, when I get that, yeah. that itch, um, there is a tenacious veracity mm-hmm. and I will pursue it until I have explored every option. Uh, similar to when I first, when I first, you know, found out how much Jesus like really loves me, despite all the schmuck things that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Uh, like I couldn't put the Bible down. Like I ate that thing, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and midnight mm-hmm. snack. Um, and so like, I'm, I'm chasing Ron down. I'm like, dude, you've got to talk to me about this. I need to know more. Um, eventually, uh, I hosted, uh, legacy Christian church, uh, hosted a generosity feeds event in mm-hmm. Allen high school in, uh, May of 2016. And we created 10,000 meals, uh, in less than two hours in a high school uh, gymnasium, I'm sorry, a, a high school cafeteria. And then we distributed them through the Allentown School District because at the time, 86% of the students were on a free or reduced lunch. 86%. So a, a school district of 17,000 students, 15,600 of those students don't get enough to eat. Mm. Not just them, their brothers, their sisters, their aunts, their uncles, everybody in their family domicile that they share with. 
Um, and so uh, I saw a Generosity Feeds event as an opportunity to engage community. Um, little did I know that that would most likely be the last massive community engagement thing that I would do as the lead pastor of Legacy Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was, you know, I, I became the burnout statistic that I just alluded to earlier. Uh, I had, I had put Richie's passing in a box. I had put my mother's passing in a box. Um, and then I had put some of my military experiences in a box and all that stuff festered. And when, when my expectations and my hopes for the church weren't happening, uh, I, my, my credibility as a leader started to falter. Um, and, and I knew it and I was quiet about it and I didn't tell anybody about it. My wife didn't even know just how bad I was hurting inside. Um, but I, I fought tooth and nail to get uh, a four week sabbatical so I could get some downtime, um, and just disconnect. And so I, I, I took some time off over the summer of 2016. And, uh, for the first time in a long time, I'd, I'd heard God really, really clearly say, Hey, um, it's going to be okay, but it's time for you to to step down. It's time for you to rest. It's time for you to to give give this awesome gift of leadership and responsibility to somebody else mm. because you're not healthy. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of guilt that went with that. Like, was I was I letting Richie down? Was I letting Richie's family down? Was I letting the congregation down? Was I letting God down by not being uh, able to lead anymore? Um, and some of those. Some of those thoughts came from a really unhealthy place. Like, if I believe in a big G God who, like, created heavens and earth just like that, yeah. does he really need little old me to lead a congregation? Mm-hmm. Is he not greater than me or you or anybody else to lead? He wants. He calls us to be co-conspirators. Or he calls us to be co-creators. He calls us to be ambassadors. But it doesn't rest on us. Mm-hmm. You're not the hero. Mm-hmm. I'm not the hero. Mm-hmm. Christ took all that on. That's right. And I, I had somewhere in the span of things gotten that mixed up, thinking that it all rested on me. Mm-hmm. And so from that unhealthy place, I stepped away from ministry in November of 2016. And uh, I was working uh, at Starbucks, making $11 an hour, not even running a store. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 40 years old, wife, three kids, mortgage. Mm-hmm. 15 years of military experience, eight years of church leadership experience, you know, working a really poorly appreciated hourly job trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Feeling like a pretty big failure at the same time. Um, and uh, it had been about a month before uh, since we'd gone to church and my son comes up to me one Sunday morning. He's like, Dad, are, are, we, are we not Christians anymore? <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we don't, we haven't gone to church in like forever. And I'm like, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And uh, he's like, you're right. Are we ever going to go to church again, Dad? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, good question. Roger that, dude. I got you. And so we we spent some time. I used it as a teaching experience for my kids. We went to Catholic mass. We went to, uh, uh, went to a Methodist church. We went to, uh, a Wesleyan church. We went to a Presbyterian church. We went to an Episcopal church. The kids got a chance to see all sorts of different expressions of faith. Um, knowing that Riverbend was here 
and the Riverbend community uh, was so similar in mission, vision, and values. Just wanting to love on people where they're at, love Jesus, love the valley, let you know, let people have a safe place to come and encounter the grace. Uh, and uh, you know, eventually we, we we walked in on a Sunday morning, and lo and behold, uh, a handful, if not more, of people from. Uh, key leaders and volunteers from Legacy Story were were already sitting in the chairs, and I was like, "Well, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, I guess this was a safe place and a good choice." Um, and so we 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 showed up, and thank you for allowing us to go unnoticed, uh, allowing us to sit in the back row and not, you know, and, and we had been in communication. Yeah, we, we talked through. Of what transitions of seasons looked like and what healthiness looked like, um, and just to let, you know, thank you, Riverbend, for allowing us and my family to just have a place to rest mm. and to continue to engage and encounter Christ, but also be angry. Mm. I think I think one of the things that people don't get is like, hey, it's okay to be angry at God. It's okay to be angry with God. Mm. Um, he knows. He gets it. Um, that doesn't mean that you get to, you know, you know, point your fingers at him or curse or anything like that or, you know, call him on the carpet because, you know, remember, he's God. Uh, he's kind of a big deal. He's kind of got this thing figured out, you know, kind of created everything. Um, but, you know, just had a chance to sit and rest. And that was so important and, and argue with God and wrestle with God and just find rest uh, for my broken heart and my wife's broken heart. And uh Eventually, that led to uh, my friend Ron from Generosity Feeds calling me up and saying, "Hey, uh, you coached, or uh, you, you facilitated, you had, a, you had a really successful event, and it was a really, really tough process. Would you be interested in coaching other people through through the same process to help them get to a successful event?" I'm like, "That sounds kind of cool." Yeah, and that allowed us, the, allowed me, the opportunity to continue to engage in ministry and serve. But also disconnect from ministry. Mm-hmm. When you hang up the phone, you can say, "Okay, I've I've invested in as much as I can emotionally, and spiritually, and I can step back and step away." And it was really, really nice. Uh, and I have continued to work with Generosity Feed since, uh, so much to the point where uh, I uh, I continue to coach events. I'm coaching other coaches on how to coach events, um, and uh, I have been really, really blessed by uh, the Generosity Feeds family. Uh, to continue to lead and to inspire and, and see others become a force for good, other communities become a force for good. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think if, if uh, you look at your own story, and even for those who are considering where they are in their own journeys, there's nothing wrong with endings. No. Because a lot of times endings lead to new beginnings. Absolutely. And But we can't get to the new beginning until we... Mm-hmm. have what is often referred to as necessary endings. And mm-hmm. I think about that for your story and while it was really painful and no one would necessarily sign up for that. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you signed up for that and were like, Oh man, this is sounds so exciting. I would be like, well, we got some questions about like <laughs> the way you view life. But right. at the same time from it, you know, these experiences opened up a door right. uh, to allow you to do something that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And clearly not only are you passionate about, but there's a huge opportunity right here in our area, the Lehigh Valley. And yep. part of the Vision for the Valley podcast is for people to see things that are going on here and to hear 
how people are doing incredible things right here. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to go somewhere else no. to see incredible things because they're they're happening right here in the valley. And so I know one of the things that is coming up here is we have an event on June 1st. Well, I wanted you to just tell tell people about that, how they can get involved, yeah. how they can get connected in. So uh, Riverbend Community Church has uh, invested in the Lehigh Valley to uh, partner with Generosity Feeds to host an event at William Allen High School on Saturday, June 1st. It starts at 10 a.m., so get there at, at 930 um, and in the span of less than two hours, we are going to create 10,000 super tasty rice and bean meals. Uh, I don't know about you, but every culture I've visited in the world has a rice and beans dish. It is quite possibly one of the most versatile dishes ever. You can soup, you can stew it, you can make burritos, throw some taco filling in it. Uh, you can make a dip out of it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's versatile, right? You can serve it on its own or you can have it as a, you know, good healthy carbs, good healthy salts, good healthy protein, all sorts of great stuff. Anyway, um, sorry, I no. get so distracted. I, I no, just, no, no, it's great. I mean, I think that that's the, the beauty of what we just said about how necessary endings lead to new beginnings. So we... Uh, Riverbend Community Church and a bunch of other community yeah. partners like Chick-fil-A Whitehall, Seven Sirens Brewery, yep. uh, Express and Plymouth Agency, BRN. Um, there are several other community partners, other people uh, like City Cuts Barbershop. They're jumping in yeah. and helping with us. But we're actually standing on the shoulders of a lot of the work that Mike did on the front end a couple years ago hmm. with your legacy event and then now that you work for Generosity Feeds. So it's pretty incredible to watch how all that's playing out. And even the meals that we are going to be providing on this event, they're so good that even the principal of William Allen High School says, I love to keep some of them on hand. Not Absolutely. for himself, by the way, in case you're wondering. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but for the sake of... But I wouldn't fault him if he did. That, that's right. They're that good. Uh, but for, for the sake of... Because he interacts with so many children who yeah. go home hungry, and it gives him something to give them mm-hmm. in order for them to be able to have a a meal that's very nutritious for them. And so we're really excited about partnering with with, uh, Generosity Feeds and our community as well. Kingdom Collaboration is one of our big, big values on uh, this podcast, Vision for the Valley. Mm -hmm. We really believe that we're better together than trying to do it apart. So if they wanted to register, Mike, where did they go? How does that work? How do they 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 get involved? So they can go to www.generositystfeedslehighvalley.org. That is the event-specific page for the Lehigh Valley event happening on June 1st. Okay. So generosity feeds, all one word, Lehigh Valley, all one word, dot org. Uh, and you can you can sign up to if you if you feel so led as to donate you could do that if you want to sign up to to help create meals you can do that. Um, there's something really really beautiful, Joe, about a generosity feeds event. Uh, from my perspective, uh, both as a former host, uh, as a coach, but also I, I get to travel, you know, one or two weekends a month and run these events all over the country. Mm. I was in Austin last weekend, uh, at, uh, an event where we had, uh, multi-million dollar entrepreneurs with, uh, uh, Mod Pizza, who is one of Generosity Feeds' national partners. We had Mod Pizza stores and their GMs and their squad. We had Voodoo Donuts, who is a national partner with yeah. Generosity Feeds. And they brought like four buckets of donuts, by the way. Mm. 
You think they mm. can mail some of those in for our event? I want to try their vanilla cream donuts so bad. Mm. <laughs> so, we, so I'm a sucker for vanilla cream donuts. So here's the thing, right? So we have multi-million dollar entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs with uh, store managers, with uh, store employees, with uh, at an event funded by a national partner, but coordinated by junior and high school seniors. Mm. So good. 16, 17, 18 year old. I mean, Joe, this is the next generation. That's right. The next president is going to come out of this generation. The next uh, church planter is going to come out of this generation. The next uh, Elon Musk, the next uh, Richard Branson or Robert Branson, the next, the next movers and shakers are going to come out of this. Hmm. And in an event hosted by a high school run by students, um, I couldn't help but be inspired. But here's the kicker. Like, so for this school, 71% of the students are on free or reduced lunch. But that's this is the only Title I school in the school district hmm. at, at that time. Hmm. And how many high school students do you know will actually report their parents' income so they can get a free lunch? Hmm. Because the stigma that goes with that. Hmm. There's so many people that are that are suffering in shame and isolation by themselves because of the stigma of living in the wealthiest country in the world that can't provide for its own. 40 million households across the country, according to the USDA, 40 million households in America are on a free or reduced lunch program hmm. or qualifying for supplemental nutrition or WIC. Hmm. 40 million households out of a country's population of 380 million. It's incredible, man. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, so many of us, and I, I was one of them. I was one of the, I was part of the one in five as a kid. I didn't even know it. Uh, and so getting to give back is all the more special for me. And I didn't really, I, I was a, grew up in a Navy family. I just figured we had bad food because that was part of the, the rations that they issued your family, you know? Um, I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, oh, look, hey, it's yeah. another, you know, package of this. Yay. You know, um, but, uh, but, you know. If, if, a, if a group of school students are aware of the need and you can bring all these different socioeconomic demographics together, people from all walks of life, from every ethnic background, from every financial bracket, from multi-million dollar entrepreneurs to students who are receiving the meals that they just created. Yeah. Generosity needs to be the gold standard of capitalism in this country. Hmm. We can't we can't expect other organizations, other businesses, other governments to take care of each other, regardless of where you come from in a faith background, if, if even faith is a part of your thing. Because uh, for some of us, faith is not a part of our story, and we're quite okay with that. And that's, that, that's great. I want to rub elbows with you anyway, because the idea of serving others is something everybody can get behind. That's right. And when there is a need that can be met, and all it requires is the investment of your time, your talent, your passion— Everybody from every walk of life can come together and do this and make a tangible difference. And it goes beyond event day. It's not just that day. You know, the people that are going to connect on June 1st for this Generosity Feeds event at Allen High School at 10 a.m. in the morning, www.generositifeedsleivalley.org. Shameless plug. That's right. Not shameless. Um, Sign up. The people who are going to connect, you know, 
the barber shop, the 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 express manpower hiring agency, the 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 Chick Fil A, the, the 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 other churches, the other high school students. People are going to get a chance to develop. Hey, can you mentor me? Can you encourage me? Hey, can you walk along this road with me? Hey, talk to me about haircuts. Talk to me about you know what are what are the employment needs in the valley? I mean, this is this is a big valley. We're talking a million people, corner to corner, right? And I don't know if you've driven on 22 or 78 recently, but there's a lot of trucks on the road. That means there's a lot of families that are moving in uh, because it's a central distribution point for, I mean, be anywhere on the eastern seaboard in five and a half hours Mm -hmm. from Virginia Beach to Maine. That's right. And so people are moving in. There's places to live, you know, and there are families that probably have a a parental unit that's on the road a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but my wife was a single mom for years as I was deployed in the Navy. My mom was a single mom as my stepdad was deployed in the Navy. You know, there are single dads out there that are doing this thing while their wife or their spouse is off doing what they do. You know, that's an opportunity for all of us to come together and rub elbows and invest in your neighbors. So good. And so, so yeah, and I was going to say, even one of the, the, you know, as Mike was saying that, like one of the most beautiful parts of this is, I, I don't want us to miss this. We really believe um, that collaboration, not only on creating something like Generosity Feeds, but even in living out the vision for the valley um, is going to happen when people of all kinds of backgrounds rub shoulders with mm-hmm. one another and learn from each other and hear from each other and pour into each other and uh, see the, the power of that. And even to watch how those high school students are really making an impact. We really believe uh, that high school students aren't just the next generation leaders. We believe they're the generate the leaders of today as well. We don't, and they're showing it. Yeah. They're showing up, they're doing things. And if we'll just continue to be faithful to invest in them and to to provide Mm -hmm. uh, the partnership that they need and and the mentorship that they need to thrive, I think we're setting them up to be really effective in the long haul. Absolutely. And it's, it's starting even younger than that. That's right. That's right. Um, I, uh, I had a chance. To, so this this last weekend was the third school driven event that I ran this year. Hmm. I did uh, one event in. I did two events in L.A. earlier this year, uh, about a month apart. One of them was run by an eighth grade student body at a so charter cool. school. The other one was run by a seventh grade student <laughs> body at a leadership academy in a public school. That's awesome. Kids are getting it. They see the need. Hmm. They see the unmet needs and they are inspired by opportunities to serve Mm. and we would be wise to to take the take you know take heed and and you know i've i've got kids you know i've got a 21 year old and i've got a a 16 and a 13 year old and they're teaching me things every day that's right and they're leading me in as much as i'm leading them oh that's right all too because i do think that you know the generations um, behind us you know, they, they really are about leading out of generosity mm-hmm. and leading out of service and to understand that we believe in bringing restoration and, um, you know, not just to, to be consumers, but to contribute, not right. just for our own benefit, but for yep. the benefit of others. And I think that's so powerful. So, Mike, if people wanted to learn more about Generosity Feeds as a whole, uh, do they just go to the same website that you gave? Yeah, so they can go to generosityfeeds.org. Okay. Um, there's there's questions about that. Okay. Uh, or, you, know, you know, if you want to host an event or you want to know more about an event, 
uh, I'm always available as well. Yeah, how, do, how do people reach out to you? What's the so best way to So you can you? find me at uh, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot DeSelm, D-E-S-E-L-M at gmail.com. Um, send me an email there or you can find me on Facebook as Michael S. DeSelm as well. And you're on Twitter too. Uh, I am on Twitter at Padre Mikey D. Uh, um, Padre Mikey is, is because it's because you were in the pastorate for a while. So. Uh, that, no, that, that's that it would, it's, so it's dual purpose, right? So I'm growing up in San Diego and, and loving baseball. Do they have a team there? They do. They have a, they actually have a major league baseball team called the San Diego Padres. And I'm going to tell you, Joe, that they are actually God's team. Contrary to many Yankees fans, because they're men. Mascot is a friar. <laughs> you know what friars do? They go out into the world and they share the story, and they provide safe places for other people to hear the story. I didn't know if they like fried up things like that. No, come oh, okay. on, it's a know. swinging friar, F R I A R, not an not for, not an Atlanta friar <laughs> like like a fried like, daddy. Do they do they, they even fried up like some fried chicken? Like I hope uh, so. No, more good. like fish tacos in movies. <laughs> no, I'm a huge San Diego Padres fan. I love baseball. Um, and so, uh, I'm big, being a big fan and also being in ministry, Padre fits and growing up so close to the border. I, I, I feel a certain kinship to, uh, my friends to the, to the Southern border. Yeah. So by, by the way, you're a big, uh, Tex-Mex fan, right? Is that what I uh, Not Tex-Mex. Uh, what are you more into? So technically I believe the sub cuisine is Southern California Mexican food. Okay. Um, so, so we're talking a lot of fish. We're talking a lot of obviously a lot of a lot of chicken and a lot of pork. But carne asada burritos are probably my absolute so favorite. If you wanted to get a flavor like that, and I know we're not in California, obviously, is there a place in the valley that you like? Yeah, to my house, <laughs> my house, my private recipe that I've worked on over years because of all the places I've been stationed, okay. never finding right. good carne asada. I'm I'm a big fan of Cali burrito. Okay, uh, their uh, their Santa Barbara chicken tacos are really 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 good. Um, okay, I have to remember that. I was I was kind of curious because I know you're, you know, again from another part of the country. So I, I always I always like to hear where people go to get their uh, Jones meat. You so know, like so to get that the guys at Cali burrito and, very yeah. much remind me of the typical quintessential San Diego Mexican okay. restaurant. Um, that's and cool. so they've they've got a great atmosphere on the inside, and the food's good. The guacamole is amazing, and the salsa's on point. All right. Um, not that I want to sit here and, and, and pimp the ride or anything like that, but Cali Burritos <laughs> probably, you know, and, and it's a local favorite. They've gotten Best Eats in the Valley uh, actually for their vegan and organic food because uh, they make a very, very awesome tofu uh, uh, burrito. And uh, I need to check them out because I've only been there a couple times. Well, they just moved? I know. They just moved. It's gorgeous. It's a big space. Okay. All right. I'll have to check them out. But, hey, Mike, it's been such a joy to have you on Vision for the Valley. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And we're so excited about our event with Generosity Feeds. Again, Saturday, mm-hmm. June 1st. Yep. And what's the website? One more time www.generosityfeedslehighvalley.org We hope to see you there. Sign up! Thanks for listening to the Vision for the Valley podcast. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at visionforthevalleypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter under Vision for the Valley podcast. Thanks again for listening.